Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I'm with Frank the Tank Peralta, and today we will be will be covering floorless shelters, uh, floored shelters, when, why to use them, uh, when to bring a stove, and I guess Frank, we got 130 some 33, I think 133 questions. Some of them are double taps. Uh, we were going to actually talk about it and then go through the questions. Um, we're not going to do that, actually. We are going to just go through question by question uh, and try not to double tap anything till we're done with the list. And if we haven't covered everything in 132 questions about floorless shelters, we've got problems. So I think Frank's uh, updating his tweets right now. So I'll go ahead and start out. Uh, you know, we basically just said, hey, we're doing a podcast on floorless shelters. Let's hear uh, what questions you may have. And this is what they are. So, um, you, oh, good Lord. Hold on. Good Lord, Terry. There's so many. I got to keep hitting the plus button to start from the beginning. Getting there. Getting there. Enhance. Okay, from Muley Hunter 247, uh, you could talk about the whole setting up on snow and dealing with the mud inside the shelter. So that's easy enough. I'm going to give a few scenarios. Uh, the first scenario, which is actually way easier than people think, is extremely deep snow, which um, I've only done, you know, in all honesty, probably 15 to 20 times where it's, uh, you know, we've pulled the sleds in. Um, that we sell sleds as well. So, you know what I mean? The teepee, usually there's alcohol involved, <laughs> good food. Um, anyway, I snowshoe in pulling that sled. We get in there and the snow is, is, you know, three, five, six, eight, ten feet deep, whatever. Um, I would, normally what I do is I walk around where the footprint of the shelter is going to be in my snowshoes and I get that tamped down really good. Uh, I then, uh, pitch the teepee like normal or the the super tarp uh, it's easier with a smaller shelter because you're tamping down a lot quite a bit less snow but either way i'm just walking around getting it flat um just like you would with dirt kind of the same principle like if you bury um you know you put a post in the ground you get um for those of you who have done manual labor you'll know what a tamper is for those of you who do not um you're basically taking it's just um you know, big steel rod. It's kind of flat, uh, like mushroomed out on one end and you're just ramming her back and forth into the dirt, getting it kind of compacted. Just That's ramming it. her. Just ramming it. Just giving her, uh, 24, seven, 100% folks. Um, <laughs> mighty early this morning. Um, and uh, once that's flat, I just pitch the teepee not like normal. The only difference is I'm using SST pins, which, uh, uh, just, it's a long, um, it's a long tent stake that, you know, goes a couple feet deep into the snow. You can also use dead man anchors, which are an epic pain in the ass, uh, which is, you know, running basically uh, teeing off like a tent stake, a stick um, running it. I guess it'd be parallel to the uh, to the teepee and burying it in. It, it works. It's just a little bit more of a pain. So the SST pins work quite a bit better. Pitch the shelter uh, where the stove goes. Uh, we have a snow platform so it doesn't melt into the ground. There's just It's just a super ultra lightweight flat piece of material that the stove sits on top of. Uh, the center pole, same thing, sits on top of that. Uh, the ground usually freezes a bit, um, you know, because 
the the heat rises and so it's not overly warm i mean it's not freezing cold but on ground level uh just like with an igloo uh igloo 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 what i say igloo igloo that's what we say in oregon (laughs) igloo (laughs) like the cooler uh you know the ground just more or less kind of freezes i put a tyvek sheet out um i bring a tyvek sheet for just about everything um i throw the my sleeping system on top of that and it's really no different than sleeping on the ground it's really quite simple actually so i've never um i've never done a whole lot of or i hadn't done a whole lot of of uh deep snow camping and this year you showed me those dead man anchors and those are pretty interesting on, on how they work you could rappel off those or climb like i think i saw bear grills do that not that is that like when like South Park? Remember that Simpsons did it. Like they try to block out the sun. Uh, Butters does. Simpsons did it because uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, there isn't much Bear Grylls hasn't done. Mm. I I told you about that when you showed me, and you're like, "Good lord, he he repelled off of this off of one of these." I'm like, yeah, "I think so." I was gonna say, I know in a mountaineering school I went to, um, they talked about it. We never applied that. Uh, I don't. I mean, I can say they hold a crap ton of weight, uh, dead man anchors when done correctly, especially depending on how deep you bury them and how much you tamp it down. Um, so I guess you could do it. I don't know. I wouldn't want to do it with rocks below me, maybe like fluffy snow, some powder. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next scenario, uh, which is probably easier, probably the easiest, um, you get in and there's, uh, let's say let's say up to a foot of uh, powder or any type of snow. Let's say if I've snowshoed in, I'll actually a lot of times pull my snowshoe off if I don't have um, like an avalanche shovel um, or I'll just kick it out. Uh, and so this scenario is when there's just enough snow to be a pain to set, you know, tamp it down and set up your shelter, but enough, not enough snow to where you can dig it out, uh, where you can't dig it out. So I'll just dig out. We've got a black hawk down. Uh, one of our mics just <laughs> fell. Um, I'll uh, I'll just basically take uh, and dig out, whether it be with my foot or my snowshoe or a shovel, and just dig out the footprint to the ground. Um, the mud is not, you know, an issue. You're getting most of it off. Um, I'll pitch the teepee or uh, or tarp like normal. Uh, set up the stove onto the ground. I don't worry about that. Sometimes I might bring the platform for that, the snow platform. Um, not not really, n- not something I worry about. I've heard uh, a couple questions on, or I saw a couple questions on here, and I've heard guys mention to me before about um, the uh, the stove, the legs, the all-thread legs going into the ground and then freezing in. Um, it could happen, but you're only talking about them going on the ground a little bit if, you know, pulling them back out is not an issue. So, uh, the mud, that's what a lot of people worried about. How muddy does it get? It actually doesn't really get when it's that scenario. For me, it's never gotten very muddy at all. Uh, I've got a Tyvek ground sheet that I keep clean with all my gear on it. Sometimes if I'm doing a really long trip or I have a really big shelter, I'll have two Tyvek ground sheets. Um, they weigh about two ounce and a half to two ounces each. Uh, one's got my gear on it. One's got my bedroll. And, uh, you know... <sighs> It, I think what people need to wrap their head around on snow camping or uh, the scenarios we're talking about is if you have an eight-man teepee, um, what other shelter are you going to set up that's even comparable? There's very few that have a floor on them that you can actually man-pack in. And so 
when some of the questions pop up about this, I understand the questions, which is great, but you can't really say when compared to a floored shelter, what do you do differently? Um, you know, with one of the teepees. Well, there isn't really a comparison because I don't know anybody that can pack in a wall tent. Now, there is a few shelters that you can do it with, but I mean, it's giving you an option that you quite honestly don't have. And so being able to have, I don't know, last year, actually, um, Amy and I and my daughter hiked in with the eight man. Um, I think I had about seven to eight pounds worth of crap. Um, Amy probably had four. Uh, my daughter, who was 15 at the time, I think she had the center pole. She might have just had the snow platform. Either way, it wasn't overly bad. We only went in about a mile and a half. Um, you know, I was just showing them uh, different way. you know, basic extreme cold weather uh, shelters. We've got, uh, for those of you who can't see, which is pretty much everyone, We've got some riggings going on on the uh, microphones on this plastic table because our wood table is not in yet. They keep sliding off. They keep sliding <laughs> off. So if you hear like a big bang, that means we've got a mic down. Um, and we apologize. Uh, so anyway, that's scenario number two. Pretty simple. The Tyvek takes care of it. Um, you know, the stove does heat the ground up a little bit, so it will get a little bit muddy. But the kind of the beauty of the floorless shelter is you don't have to worry about it. Just don't walk on your Tyvek ground sheet. Walk on the part that's already dirty and you're good. Um, yeah, I think I saw that question down the line. What do you do for a ground sheet or what do you do about wet ground and, you know, this and that? And I think you'd kind of answered it there with the Tyvek. Yeah, I just bring Tyvek. Somebody asked in a question later on down the line, what grade? I have no idea. The shit that I steal from the job site, whatever grade that is, uh, I can't steal it from the job site anymore because I don't work construction. So I'll order it from Amazon. I'll go to Home Depot, grab a roll, share with my buddies. Um, there's like know, that, that, that papery type, mm -hmm. which is kind of what we use. Yeah. And then there's also that plastic type which i don't sicker I don't, yeah i don't like that as much it's a little heavier and i mean i guess if the paper type had ever failed me i'd use something different but it also the thing with tyvek it's not very expensive um if you're breaking down an animal um it works great for that to lay the meat out on um you can wrap let's say like your head when you're coming out um if, uh, you know, if you've left your head hanging for a couple of days, there's a lot of bugs on it. You don't want bees flying around. I'll wrap the head up like I did my bull two years ago. I just wrapped it up in a Tyvek sheet, mm. um, you know, whatever, multi-use. Um, and then so the third scenario, which is by far the worst, is you're going in. It's rainy. It's slushy or, you know, intermediate. You've got a little bit of snow, mud on the ground, and it's just a muddy, sopping, west, sopping wet kind of a shit show. Um, with that, there's not a whole lot you can do with the ground. So you pick the best scenario possible, um, for where you're going to pitch it. And the one thing that people, it's hard for people to wrap their head around is how, when it rains, does water not get under it? And the easiest way to explain this is when it rains and you look all over the earth around you, is it wet everywhere? No, the earth is not flooding. There is dry spots no matter how much it's raining. Well, those dry spots are going to be where you want to put your shelter at, and you're not going to get water coming up underneath of your shelter. Um, the earth sucks in water. There's going to be areas that pool up. There's going to be areas that are benched out that don't get any water. There's going to be areas with creeks that have one creek flowing through. So you just got to look around to make sure 
you know, where you're setting up isn't pooling up water. Now, if there's already like water standing or snow or sleet, then that's going to be like, oh, Lord, yeah, that's going to be muddy. You pitch your shelter, try to do it in the best spot that you can. That will dry out because water is not hitting that anymore. So eventually the earth is going to suck that up because the teepee is stopping water from hitting that. Again, set out your Tyvek ground sheets, put your stove up. Um, it won't be the best. There's going to be some mud there, but you don't, you know, you, it, it's the best option you have. That's going to be your worst scenario. So for the, the muddy, wet snow, those are the, I guess, quickest way to describe what I do. Now, when I do a tarp where you got to crawl in and out and it's super muddy, I, for me, I just get under trees. You know, there's always dry spots under trees and I've posted enough photos. I'll pitch from tree to tree. Um, you know, meaning like not elevated if the weather's bad, meaning I'll go as much overhead cover as I possibly can. And that pretty much solves itself. The Tyvek ground sheet covers most of my floor of my super tarp, almost the whole thing. I'll peel it up on the sides a little bit to almost make a floor sometimes, or at least maybe on the side that might get some water coming in. I'll tail or tuck that up. Um, you know, so if water does come under, just rolls under the ground sheet. Um, the 12 or six or eight inches of gap I may have on one side, my muddy boots go there. So it's really not a mud issue um, when you're comparing it to a floored shelter. Um, and we use both. The thing you got to think about with a floored shelter um, is once you get mud in that, you're pretty well screwed, right? Like it's, it's muddy as shit. There's no way around it where with a floorless shelter, you can walk or crawl in or whatever, and the muddy parts stay muddy, the clean parts stay clean, and it gives you that that option. Yeah, I think with a, with a tarp, one thing that's nice is w- once you have your Tyvek sheet down, we use those little Thermarest Z seats, um, and I like to put that kind of in front of the tarp. I'll take my boots off, kind of kneel on that so I don't get you know dirty or muddy or whatever, and then I can crawl onto the, onto the Tyvek. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, like pitch options and stuff, you do some crazy stuff and I, I get a lot of questions on through like phone calls and emails on that. And generally what I'll tell people to do is if you get on Google, you can type in pitching a rectangular tarp and, um, it'll, it'll show a bunch of, even though our tarps are kind of tapered in the back. Um, and then they, you know, they widen out in the front. Um, you can basically pitch them the same way as you would with a, with a rectangular tarp. So you can, um, you can do all the stuff that Aaron does, whether you're pitching it off the ground or if you want to pitch one side to the ground and one side up, kind of like an awning style. Um, so um, if you do get on Google, you can just type that in, pitching a rectangular tarp, and you'll get a diagram of, of a ton of different ways ways to pitch it. Um, so I think you're kind of infamous for, for all of your pitch options and stuff like that. And uh, there are there are a ton of options. With that being with the with the sheep tarp, the paratarp, and the super tarp, the mega tarp was kind of built just to pitch to the ground. But the other tarps, you can do you, you can do all those crazy things like like you do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll go into that as this goes down, like different, like crazy different pitching setups that I've done, um, as well as when you know a tarp is quite a bit more maybe applicable than a, a floored shelter. So, um, all right, here's the next question from Bo Guys Outdoors. How do 
<laughs> they must have been talked to texting. Um, how do you do your guy outs so that you can periodically tighten them after a few days? I noticed we would get some sagging after a couple of days, maybe from stretch since it's new, and we would just restake them. I'm not a knot tying guru. Save it for the podcast, though. We'll listen in for sure. So what they're asking, well, first, where that stretch comes from with all shelters, um, when you first pitch it and it's, let's say, cloudy um, or it's not whatever, when, once the sun hits it, the material tightens. Once it gets colder or the rain hits it, it stretches. So it's not that it's new or old. All Like they say when you pitch a teepee, tarp, tent, never max out the tightness of it when you first pitch it because you can um, cause damage because as the sun hits it, um, it will get tighter. Now, as far as the knot, um, we're going to do, when we get the video capabilities up, which is really soon, a knot tying class and cover some basic knots. Um, we may have to also cover microphone um, durability because Frank's microphone keeps falling down. It's just a plastic table. It's a piece of shit. Um, so anyway, it's called a Prusik knot or a taut line hitch. Uh, there's a few different names for it. It's kind of like a D-loop knot um, with, with a little more to it. Um, so all you do is I tie a bowline um, to the actual loop that's on the shelter. Uh, I run that out to the stake. I go around the stake and I come back to the actual line that was attached. You know, it's all one line, but attached or tied to the shelter. And then I tie a Prusik knot with that. Um, and what that does is it's kind of like if you're if you're mountain climbing and you've got um, what do they call that a lead line? I don't know. I can't remember where everyone's tied to it. And as you walk, you're sliding that knot up the line. That way, if you fall, it arrests yourself or it stops you. It's the same knot. Once you put tension on it, it tightens up. And so that's what it is, a Prusik knot. So just look that up. It's the same one you want to use on your um, safety harness on a tree stand. Same type of thing. Uh, it's actually not that bad once you've tied it a couple times. Um, all right. Next one uh, from Russy Pig. Does it make sense in a desert environment? I would say sometimes it 100% time does. Other times it doesn't. I like it. I mean, I don't know what you, th I like it for a sunshade. That's why I pitch it off the ground so much. But if you're worried about bugs, you may want to get a bug bivy um, and put it inside there. Um, snakes too, right? Yeah. Snakes, spiders. You know, on true grit when, when they wrap around the, the rope, <laughs> the rope. That, yeah, that works actually. But Does yeah. it really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I was wondering. That's funny. so some shit, right? You just don't. No, we're not cowboys, right? We're not cowboy camping every night. Um, but my uh, my dad and one of his buddies when I was a kid, um, we got into a rattlesnake a patch of rattlesnakes, and um, he, you know, he was showing me. He would circle the rattlesnakes to show me they, they won't cross that rope. I mean, maybe they will. Like that's saying an antelope will never jump a fence. I've seen antelope jump yeah, fences. Me too. Yeah. Um, but. For the most part, where where the tarp bivy combo comes in that makes it versatile, even if it's a, a bug bivy, um, meaning like a net bivy, you don't always have to pitch the the tarp, um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Is let's say it's just hotter than hell, um, you know, at night, and you want to look at the stars or whatever, or you want to hear elk bugle, 
sometimes you just pitch the bivy and you don't pitch the tarp. Other times, let's say you need sunshade, pitch it off the ground. You got good wind flow underneath. Um, you know, it just depends on, on which kind of type of desert environment. Um, I would say though, if you're worried about it, get a bug bivy as well. It's going to bump up your weight about a pound, uh, depending upon the bug bivy you're using, but then you don't have to worry about snakes and sparklers and spiders. Um, you know, coming in. Um, so yeah, sometimes I would say it definitely does. Other times it may not. I know when I went on Tiburon, um, Island, I used a, a Hilleberg and I wish I would have bought a tarp bivy combo. Um, cause it was so freaking hot and you couldn't get inside that shelter ever. Um, you know, to lay around. So then you're stuck with, if you're trying to take a nap, now you're stuck with taking a nap, um, outside your, <laughs> your shelter where there's no nothing protecting you either where if i had a bug bivy um and i pitched that thing off the ground i would have had air ventilation sun protection and not have to worry about bugs yeah um set up for beginners tips and tricks things to avoid um that's pretty easy avoid depressions don't ever set it up in a depression um, you know, cause of the water, uh, learn how to tie knots, Prusik knots specifically, specifically, uh, bowline. Um, I think it's called a bowline. Um, that one's important just because of the simple fact you can untie a bowline. Um, and then screw around with it in your front yard. Like one of the, the things like when I first started was, um, you know, I would be monkeying around with my setup for 25, 30 minutes, uh, trying to get everything correct and so if you screw around with it in your front yard um the lengths of cord you may want um you know pitching the front high the back low both ends high tight to the ground whether it's a flat tarp or like our super tarp or pear tarp um you can get real used to or real quick at different scenarios um whether it be you've got a rock ledge in front of you so you're tying off the boulders on one side on the other side you're staking into the ground and in the middle you got a trekking pole or a stick holding it up you can get used to those but the biggest thing i'd say is learn your knots and don't set it up in a place where water is going to run underneath um i don't know you got any other yeah i think yeah i mean you're spot on there just being familiar with your equipment um you know, every once in a while we'll get a few customers that don't set their stuff up before they go hunting and then they have these weird questions or, you know, stuff you, like that. You may have to actually speak into the microphone. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And especially the stoves too. You know, a lot of people will take their stove out and they've never set it up and then they'll they'll uh, get a little confused, which the stoves are pretty easy to set up, especially once you've done it a few times. So I think just having familiar familiarity. Yeah. Yep. With your with your gear familiarity familiarity strategery what was the one word i couldn't say uh, i can't remember <laughs> i don't know oh good luck. i mean bush would come out with some good ones i remember he says strategery yeah. yeah yeah all right would you use in arizona a hundred percent but the same scenario before you may want to have a a bug net bivy um you know or makes one there's a few companies that make one you may want to have a bug bivy um you know if you're using it in a desert environment uh, do you need to purchase the poles for the paratarp or can you use trekking poles? I never use our poles, which is horrible to say. Um, I use trekking poles or a stick um, every time. Now, this gets asked several times after this, and I guess maybe for me it was more of a common sense thing. What do you do with your shelter when you leave if you take your trekking poles with you? Um, well, that's pretty simple. I'll use a stick or I'll just pitch it tight to the ground um, so I still have cover. And let's say, um, you know, the, the 
it's waterproof enough where it's not like it's going to take several days of standing water to leak through. So nothing's really going to get wet. You could get some condensation, but what I'll do is I'll pull my trekking poles. Usually just pull one because I don't, I don't use both very often um, unless it's a super heavy load. Um, I'll use one, leave one trekking pole to keep uh, one edge pitched. And then I just pull my um, guy lines tight. Uh, You know, and then when I get back, I loosen them, pop the pole back in if needed. Now, in the case of the super tarp, the back end is a stick and the front end's a trekking pole. So it's kind of a moot point with that because I'm using one trekking pole most of the time anyway because I've got my weapon in one hand. I've got my trekking pole in the other. So unless I have a third hand, I can't use both trekking poles. So one stays in the shelter and one goes with me. And that's the best system I've found. Uh, you know, for that scenario, like with a, a tarp, uh, super tarp or, or whatever, teepees obviously are a little bit different. Um, why did my Kuyu Summit refuge melt like a candle? If he's being serious, and I'd have to look at the um, the actual shelter um, or the material, not all materi- material is fire resistant. And so... Uh, some, which is why we never suggest to put our stoves in shelters other than our own. Um, when fire hits them, they actually catch on fire and burn to the ground like it was damned. Um, if that's what you're talking about, that's why. Uh, can I seam seal my tut when it comes, if it's 30 degrees out? I'm going to say, even though I've done it, no. Um, it, but if you if you mix it relatively thin and it's going to be... Um, you know right around freezing it it will dry it takes longer you don't need you don't want rain technically no um but you you can do it i've done it in that cold weather i, I would have to say you know from an aspect of, of being 100 percent right no you can't um you know but um i've done it um Okay, this guy, same thing as per Muley Hunter 247's question, best way to set up on snow, went over that. What's the footprint of the megatarp compared to the paratarp? Um, I should have written looked significantly bigger. Um, I would say at least another 18 inches wide uh, um, and a couple feet longer, if not more, probably more than that. The paratarp's pretty small. A lot of guys, when they pitch it to the ground, um, as an A-frame, they call it the paracoffin because um, it's so small. So the, the megatarp is a monster. Uh, when going floorless, do you always use a ground sheet? If so, why or when do you use it, and what is your preferred material? I always have a ground sheet. It's Tyvek. Um, I guess that's that's that. Um, Tyvek is what we use. Um, I, I have used sil nylon before, like our own sil nylon. Um I don't anymore because it's so freaking expensive. Um, and you'll slide right off of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a slip and slide. Yeah. Will we be bringing back the Megatarp? We're working on a shelter. Um, you know, right now I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Um, it's kind of like the Megatarp, but it could be six months to a year before we get it out the way that we're growing. I'm not 100% sure, but we won't. We actually are going to have a limited run, aren't we? We have about. 14 i'm gonna say we have 14 but we'll probably do a couple giveaways on them yeah so we we will do a limited run here soon i think we built 14 of them or 12 something like that uh advantages disadvantage over a floor tent and should they be used in cold and wet windy situations um okay this one's going to be a little bit longer answer um 
when you're using a floorless shelter, and I'm going to say a super tarp, and we'll compare that to an MSR Hubba, um, a Big Agnes Fly Creek, or a Copper Spur, uh, and our super tarp. Um, so did I, let's say we'll compare it to a Hilleberg Nyack, Onion GT2, or Nalo, so a three and a four season, uh, a couple three seasons, uh, and then our super tarp with a stove. So immediately uh the weight of a super tarp with an annex and an 18 inch smith cylinder stove is actually the same weight or lighter when compared to most four season tents of the same size um definitely lighter than a lot of them uh the the bonus is i can get it 80 degrees in my super tarp dry out all my clothing um and so i guess my point being is when there's wood around and it's in snowy windy rainy wet conditions um i would say all the advantages go to running a floorless shelter with a stove um would you somewhat agree with yeah that? no yeah i definitely do um so i think when you factor in the stove yeah and when you factor in the weight of the stove in comparison to a four season shelter you know by far the the floorless shelter is going to win now if you don't have any wood around Okay, well, then it's a completely different story, uh, and it may not be your best bet if you're just running the tarp and, let's say, a bivy. Um, now, compared to, um, uh, you know, three-season use or different weather, that's a different scenario. We'll get to that later. But for me, if I'm running a fourth-season hunt, third-season hunt, um, there's snow or rain in, a, in the forecast. Um, we're, let's say, sawtooth tut down to a tarp. Um, all of those in size um, and weight will beat out an equivalent four-season shelter, and you can get it and dry out your clothing. And once you, like you hear a lot of people say, it's a game changer with the stove. Once you run that stove and you're able to dry out your boots, your clothing, warm up in the morning before you leave, get warm before you go to bed, um, I don't see a reason why to run a floored shelter if there's wood around, um, you know, just for the simple fact that... Um, you know, you can dry everything out now. Just, it makes it a lot easier to get up in the morning when it's cold as shit. Certainly does for me. Yeah. Well, nice thing about if you're in the shelter, you got that stove running most of the night anyway. Yeah. Since I don't sleep, it's warm all the time. Um, now, uh, before, and I know I don't know if anybody asked this on there, why can't you put it in a floored shelter, a stove? Well, because you'll die. Um, carbon dioxide poisoning, just Google that. Um, you have to have some ventilation in your shelter or you can die from carbon monoxide poisoning. So the first one would be, you know, ventilation. You got a floored shelter. It's not going to ventilate. Uh, two, a lot of the floored shelters, uh, just check the material. If you're going to try to rig something up at home, I've known of seven guys or six that have not been fully, uh, honest with me with what they were doing. And they asked me for some advice. They built one. Uh, and then they burnt their tent to the ground with all their gear inside because it was a flammable outer shell material. And when it lights, when it's flammable, it's no bullshit. It lights like gasoline and then all your stuff burns down. So that's something you need to stay cognizant of if you're going to start rigging stuff up at home of what uh, material you're using. Have you dealt with anyone yet that did that? No. Um, can you retro? This is from... Um, Mike Stoic, can you retro an old Megatarp to put a zippered annex on it? Uh, no, you cannot. 
Is there anything you can do to keep mice out? Yeah, mice traps. Uh, no, you can't. Uh, not that I know of. Um, the one thing I'll say about mice, and I've never had too big of an issue with mice um, on a floorless shelter, um, is in areas where I've been with a high content of mice, it didn't matter that I had a floored or floorless shelter. The only thing the floored shelter did was maybe give them a couple second uh, delay before they ate a hole in my shelter and then came in and then they were nice and warm inside and just wouldn't leave. Um, but no, my, mice can be a problem with a floor or floorless. Yeah. I think you just got to be smart with keeping your food in dry sacks and then keeping your food and, you know, minimizing the crumbs and all the, all the waste and stuff. And yeah, I had a pack there. rat eat the tongue of my boot off. I was in a <laughs> yeah. bivy and a tarps combo. Yeah. Um, and what sucked is the bivy I had had plenty of room to put the boots in. Yeah. I woke up in the morning and uh, it ate the tongue of my entire boot off. It was in Idaho. Dude, um, a couple of years ago when uh, when I killed that 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 bigger deer, um, the night before I I kept hearing something chewing on stuff. So you know I'd like I'd like kick my sleeping bag or I'd be like yeah get out of here. Well, I decided. Cause it wouldn't go away. So I picked up my backpack, the fuck, this big ass rat, big ass rat was chewing on my trekking pole handle <laughs> and it looked at me and I looked at it and it was like, what the fuck are you looking at? <laughs> it wouldn't leave. Uh, uh, that's just funny. funny. They, mm. they tend to, they tend to chew on anything that's salty, I guess. Oh yes. But marmots, pack rats. I mean, marmots eat the shoulder strap off of packs constantly. So, um, I, I guess like, um, with as many nights we stay in the field, um, I, I you know a lot of these questions are good questions, but they're um, kind of <coughs> excuse me, kind of a moot point because uh, a lot of the things they just don't happen. It's more in your mind. I will say, um, you know, marmots. Um, why would you use a floorless shelter with a piece of Tyvek if you're having a high area of marmots? Maybe you wouldn't other than the weight savings, because generally if you're in an area with marmots, that means you've climbed a lot of elevation. And so what I'll do, um, you know, if I have to, now this is in a, uh, floored or floorless shelter. I've had to hang my gear off of cliffs, uh, so the marmots couldn't get to it. In fact, with, uh, Phil on his sheep hunt, our gear was fine and we slept in floorless shelters and had no issue, but they were, um, trying to eat the meat so we had to hang on his uh sheep off a off a cliff overnight um didn't have any problem with the gear aspect of it but um we definitely did with uh those things will chew on anything too when we went scouting they uh they chewed a hole in the gas line in one of the four-wheelers yeah yeah and yeah they ate i was i was doing uh um you know tokyo drift down because i didn't have any brakes (laughs) uh insect and pest issues we'll get to the mosquitoes in a minute we've talked about um advantages over a covered hammock that's from uh cc nibs man i'm not a hammock guy um i'm not a hammock guy because i like to fiddle around with stuff and um i like to roll over start my stove put my contact solution in put in a dip um you know fool around with my gear that shit ain't happening in a in a hammock so i i I'm not a hammock fan, so I wouldn't be the guy to to answer that question. I think when you account for your over quilt, your under quilt, your hammock, and your tarp that goes over the hammock, you've got a four season. Yeah, tent. you're pretty much in the same weight class as a tent. I ran a Clark's Jungle hammock when I tried the hammock thing out. I also ran a oh, can't remember the name of the company. Should have wrote that down. Anyway, the Clark's Jungle hammock was an epic hammock, unbelievable. Um, I didn't get cold in it. Uh, 
but I found two major downfalls. One, by the time I was done with the hammock, it weighed as much as a freaking four season tent. Um, and then two, I, um, you can't uh, pitch those very easy when there's no trees around and we're above tree line pretty frequently or at tree line. And so we can be at tree line and have plenty of firewood, everything else, but you're not uh, strapping that bad boy down to bristlecomb. It ain't, it ain't happening. So um, I've just never been a hammock guy. Let's see. Uh, for, uh, mosquitoes. Um, so there's two things that I've found best. Uh, bug coils. It's just a super cheap coglin makes them. Um, it's just a coil. You light it, um, kind of builds a force field around um, your shelter. I've used it. Um, probably the worst is when I slept in this kind of marshy area at a lake. Um, I was by myself, thank God, because um, it, I did not bring bug juice, which I almost always have that uh, the shit that gives you cancer in California, but nowhere else, the 99% DEET. Um and I'll put that on. I didn't bring that. And so I was getting eaten alive pretty good. Um, I lit that bug coil up. I had, the, it was just a super tarp. I pitched it. Um, I had an orange uh, Rab Ridgemaster bivy, um, you know, and I pitched it uh, just because I was so, I think I was at 12.5 or 12.8. Um, and it was an area I didn't think was going to have mosquitoes. So what I did is I brought, I had those bug coils and I just lit one, um, you know, the wind was blowing a little bit, but it kind of built a force field around my shelter, uh, which was really a lifesaver. So those Coglin bug coils are huge and they don't weigh anything. Uh, the other thing, thermocells nowadays weigh so little. Uh, one of my buddies who's in a high, I mean, extremely high mosquito area up in BC, he brings a mosquito repellent as well, DEET. Uh, but he has, um, he packs in um, a... Uh, uh, thermocell and just lights that and that definitely keeps them out and it's like a force field and then the shelter kind of holds in uh whatever the hell that that is uh emitting and uh, keeps them out uh quite honestly though we're never in super horrible mosquito areas sometimes we are but it's never yeah mainly when we're fishing or something during the summer yeah um let's see uh, from Shane Quinn, would you recommend a tarp shelter for elite season if that's all you have? That is all I would actually uh, recommend if that's all you have, as long as you have a stove. It is a game changer. So as long as you have a stove, I think it's an awesome option. Uh, uh, this is the same thing. Tips for snow. We already talked about that. Would Tyvek work over snow? Uh, yeah, that's all I've ever used for snow is Tyvek. Um pros and cons to floored and floorless we touched on this already um so for me going back and forth uh over the last five or six years um uh going uh with floorless and floored yeah i've kind of come to the conclusion for the most part um the lightest and most versatile option is the uh, tarp bivy combo now that bivy could be a ultralight you know coffin type bivy um that i'm just using it to protect you know my bag and what myself or whatever um or it could be a hooped bivy where i got quite a bit of room the reason why i say this is a lot has to do with if you have a tarp and a bivy and the weather's pretty nice and you're in a hurry you can just pitch the bivy down and leave the tarp um let's say you're leaving for the day and you might need a sunshade, a rain shade um 
uh, rain cover or whatever, you can throw all your gear in the bivy, zip it up, and then throw in the one pound tarp, um, you know, for uh like cover during the day especially if you're going to be in a spot where you may get jammed up takes you three to five minutes to pitch the the shelter you're not you're out of the rain you can get in there with a couple buddies just lay there you know weather the storm um if you're in an area uh south talked about it yesterday like in nevada where you know there's not a lot of flat ground you can pitch a flat tarp and a bivy or a just a flat tarp or just a bivy anywhere um you know, so maybe you only have a deer bed to kick out. Um, it's versatile that way as well. Um, you're raising your temperature. We don't always bring a bivy. Um, you know, a lot of times you just don't need one. So it's dependent, you know, having them both is great to have the option before you leave. Um, uh, I never sleep with just a bivy really, but, uh, I will sleep with just a tarp quite frequently. Uh, the other thing, like I was saying though, uh, in extreme cold weather, um, if the let's say you head in and it's it's uh, late September and the weather's pretty nice, but then you hit a big storm, even though you don't have a ton of room and like a hooped bivy, it does block the wind and keep you extremely warm inside. And so you've got that option as uh, as well. Um, you got anything on that one, Frank? No, I think you covered it. Um, any tips to deal with condensation besides bringing the stove? Uh, so a liner on the, like the sawtooth, uh, or the big teepees, then it's kind of a non-issue when it's just a smaller shelter other than just having ventilation, um, and then not pitching it like on a wet grassy area. Um, you know, no, there's not a whole lot you can do. A lot of guys will bring like a, I'll take my MSR bath towel and I just wipe it down in the morning, um, if needed, uh, and then go from there. But you're going to have to deal, you know, you're always going to have to pay the piper, uh, some way if you're going that lightweight on a single wall you're going to have some condensation but if you pay attention to where you pitch it uh, and get a little bit of ventilation in there it's not nearly as bad yeah i think kind of like we were talking with south it's sort of the nature of the beast with the with the floorless you're you're just going to get condensation and sometimes it's going to drip on you yeah yeah just just got to kind of deal with it but uh, again um is that worth it to you to save a couple pounds like the bivy tarp combo for for me um, you're going to be about two and a half pounds. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys will say, well, why not just use a three season, um, you know, shelter like a big Agnes fly Creek. Um, one, it's more durable Two, it's more versatile. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously if you had the stove, it's a little bit different, but just a tarp bivy, um, you know, three, again, I can leave one and take the other, um, you know, with me, meaning leave the bivy or take the bivy, leave the tarp or take it. Uh, so my gear is always, um, you know, taken care of and, uh, you know, whatever it's guarded from the weather. Um, so, you know, a lot of ways it's more versatile. The only time I would say where maybe, you know, the bug thing where a three season shelter might not be as bad. The only difference is when you hit into four seasons, you can add a stove to the like a super tarp where you're not going to be adding a stove to a three season shelter. So that's one of the reasons I think it makes it a lot more versatile. Let's see. Uh, this is from Jay Bennett, 64. The tud is good for below timberline versus sawtooth, which is better suited for above timberline, question mark. I'd say that's correct. I mean, tons of guys run the tud above tree line. I think the sawtooth is just more, um, a little bit better in the wind. You can put a liner on it. So, Yeah, and you, you did a, a video, which we have on the website, <clears throat> on the pros and cons between the two. 
Don't be afraid to speak up into that microphone, Frank. Hello. <laughs> uh, uh, Red Fletch is my buddy, Dale Pearson. Um, hello, Dale. Uh, by the way, everybody, Dale is one of the coolest guys. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, total squirrel here. I uh, kind of like met Dale uh, and a f- several other guys um, out here hunting. I was hunting with another buddy. Um, my buddy filled his tag, so I ended up helping Dale and a few other guys out. And uh, Dale, um, I mean, it's kind of, I I, th- I think from some of the other uh, individuals from Sitka that don't like me, Dale had heard some negative things, but uh, that was probably six years ago. And Dale and I have been friends ever since. And, and uh, Dale was in um, Colorado this year and whacked a huge buck. So anyway, hello, Dale. Um, how often do you deal with the rodents getting at your gear, food, sleeping bag, floorless? Man, I, well, man, I, I guess that one time was really it where it was actually like a problem so one time out of several hundred um so i really haven't had an issue uh when would you use a teepee instead of a tarp uh when there's more than one person um would be one uh two when i just want a bunch of room and i don't have to go that far um but for the most part just when i need the space for more people yeah what do you think uh, what do you think is the best shelter for northern Idaho and the northwestern Montana, thick and rainy? Um, I would say for, uh, you know, if it's two people, the sawtooth with a liner um, is going to be the best bet. Uh, when you start talking about tarps, um, I personally think a tarp, um, a, a saw, or excuse me, a super tarp with a cylinder stove Um, If I was hunting up there with like Ryan, that's what I would run for the simple fact, even though I'd get some condensation, I was wet all the time and the stove would dry my stuff out. So like a super tarp um, with uh, the annex and an 18 inch cylinder stove uh, would be my suggestion if it's two people to sawtooth. Doesn't Ryan just wrap up in a tarp, just roll himself up like a burrito? He doesn't pitch. (laughs) Well, the other day I had said I'd been sleeping with a tarp for 10 years. Man, it's longer than that because of the military. You sleep in like a hooch. You got a poncho. Yeah. Well, Avery must have got tired of that being in what he did. Um, You know, he was infantry. Um, so he's so lazy. He just wraps himself up in it (laughs) like a burrito, uh, which he told me that I thought he was lying, but he's not lying. Um, uh, any concerns about sparks from the, sparks from the stove burning the tarp teepee? Ways to avoid it. Um, thanks, brother. That's from Kyle J. Widmer. Widmer. Um, as long as you keep the spark arrestor in, you're good. Um, you'll occasionally burn a little pinhole in your shelter. They're actually not big enough for water to even get through the the pinholes. Um, you can just dab a little aqua seal. Um, you know, on those, if you get them, but the most thing is just make sure you keep your spark arresters in. Yeah. I see a lot of people that ask about doubling up those spark arresters and, uh, I guess you can do that, but that you're running the, the risk of, um, kind of not allowing enough smoke to get out or, you know, they get kind of gummed up and then you run into that carbon monoxide issue. Yeah. You, you definitely, a guy the other day had uh, posted, he took a can and, um, made a uh, dampener system over the top of the spark arrestor. Now, um, that's a super good idea, but I will say there isn't very many things that we haven't done or tried to do here between all of us and uh, specifically Patrick. Um, so I'll give you a scenario. If you're running a solid piece of metal over the top of a spark arrestor to dampen the, um, 
uh, the stove down. Um, now you can run a dampener, um, on a stove pipe like you would any one where you turn it at an angle and you can almost close it off. Um, and that works well. The difference is when you are doing it on top of a spark screen, if you have really sooty wood, you're going to plug the rest of what, what you're not covering, uh, can get plugged up and then you get smoke backing up. And if you're doing it while you're sleeping, um, what did you say? It looks like a like a Cypress Hill Cypress concert. Cypress Hill concert. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't be able to see from one end of the super tarp to another. So you just got to be really careful with that. Uh, but you can dampen them down that way. They will get a longer burn time. You just be really mindful of it. Uh, Kafaru cast. Can you remember the harshest conditions to each Kafaru shelter has withstood? Oh, yeah. Um, we had a 24-man teepee um, at the spring rendezvous. Uh, we changed the design after this. Uh, it was clocked 80 mile an hour winds, which is too much for, and for a 24 man teepee. It's just too much. And dude, I about shit my pants. It just pop. <laughs> and it was the cone. It didn't stretch because it kept getting microbursts and blowing it like a mushroom. It'd raise it off the pole and then drop back down. And finally it popped about three inches of it ripped. Um, we've fixed that now. That's the first time that's happened. So um, in a sawtooth, uh, me, you know, personally, and these are legit, uh, gut, these are legit winds, not um, internet winds, meaning with a Kestrel, we know what it was or the weather forecast or clocked it. Um, I've seen sawtooths and 60 mile an hour winds. I will say though, um, I, I have heard and been told, especially on the Alaskan coast of them in much higher winds, you just have to make sure and keep your guy lines out. I mean, the Native Americans got it right. Um, those teepees can hold, uh, withstand high winds. A super tarp, I don't know what it was clocked, but in the Songrays, I uh, set up um, on a ridge line. I was on a solo trip. Um, I did not have a um, uh, annex on it, but I, I had set the, set it up to where the wind, I thought the wind was going to come. I was totally wrong. <laughs> and it came from the side, not the back and fuck me running. I thought that it was going to rip the guy lines out. It was so bad that, um, I mean, even with the guy lines, it was blowing the side of it in and it got to a point through the night where I got so nervous, you know, I, I didn't want to fall asleep. And so I thought, okay, you know, worst case scenario, the tarp blows away. I'm not going to die. Um, I wasn't in a bivy. I was just on a sleeping bag. So what I did is I put everything inside my pack so that wouldn't blow away um, and then fell asleep in a coma-like sleep because I took uh, Ambient and uh, woke up and everything was still held up. I don't know what those winds were, but it was enough to freak me out. It was um, it was high, high winds. Um Dallas Eastman said, yes, this podcast will be beneficial for me. So hopefully after we answer all these, you guys can comment on uh, if this helped out. Uh, in Moreau 4, um, that looks like a big-ass deer, buddy. Um, yeah, man, good buck. Um, I'm having, I have a tut. I'm having a problem getting it down to the ground to stop a draft under the sides. What am I doing wrong? You know, you're not doing anything wrong. We built that to be off the ground to hair for ventilation since there's no... Um, we don't, there's no, um, we don't have a, a liner for it. Um, one of the things that my, my buddy has, um, you know, done with, with his is he actually, um, tied like, 
knots, I guess, or whatever you want to call it in the, 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 the stakeout points to get it a little closer. Um, the only other thing you can, um, you know, you can do, I guess, would be um, kind of dig a little bit on the, the parameter, the perimeter of the of the shelter to get it into the ground more but that was set up that way you know by design we have a sawtooth that does pitch quite a bit tighter to the ground but the that tut was built for um, one being ultralight uh, two getting some ventilation on the inside from that little bit of gap so you can if you can build up stuff on the sides like guys will take like dead logs or um, pine needles or whatever and build it up to close it off that'll do it but it was by design we wanted a little bit of gap there for ventilation uh, Joey uh, Bullert, Bullert um, discuss how your fabric is superior to others. So this has been something that has been like uh, when I first started at Kafaru, there was a lot of like negativity towards this. I mean, guys like shit talkers would say, oh, it's super duper uh, code name secret, high tenacity bullshit or whatever. Um, well, how this works. Um, and I had to talk to the guy that actually patented this. So from a like a molecular level, um, and again, I'm probably going to screw this up, but when the soup is built to make the the threads, I guess you could say for this. So there's like a big, um, you know, pot of goo that's being built. Um, the material that we use um, when it's uh, made into the threads, uh, it, it has a longer thread than other materials for one. So it, it allows it to, um, it won't um, stretch as much and cause as much long-term adverse uh, reactions to it. Um, that longer thread also is a more durable thread, which gives it better abrasion resistance and better UV resistance. Now, a lot of, you know, there was a big kind of argument back and forth when I first started here where is it a 30d um, you know Patrick would say no it's not a 30d I'm looking at it saying it looks like 30d to me um, and so it is kind of like 30d I mean it's the same basic principle as a 30d cell nylon it's just the actual base components of it are a higher quality and so what it's called we didn't make that name name up is a high tenacity mil spec sil nylon so it's kind of like 30d sil nylon on steroids there's multiple different types of sil nylon um you can go to the sil nylon they make at walmart for what you know they have bags made at walmart um put a little pinhole in it rips in half stuff it full rips in half that's super cheap asian shit um they'll have america they'll have higher quality asian uh sil nylon they'll have american made they've got 20d 30d um they've got coated they've got impregnated um it's endless where Ours is dual coated, um, and then it's a mil spec, um, and it's basically like a parachute material is what it is. So um, the uh, stitch holes don't stretch as much when it's sewn. It has a higher abrasion, higher tear strength, um, and higher UV resistance. Now, um, that's not saying other companies don't make great products, but what I can say, um, and I'm not trying to be a, a smart ass about this, um, we have shelters that come back for repair that are three times older than our competitors have been in business. Now that's that's just a fact. I'm not saying that as a negative thing. So it's hard for me to um, hear people say that have had um, some shelters for a year and say they're just as durable as a Kafaru 
um, because we have shelters that have been in service for 15 years. We had one come in not too long ago that was kind of blue and yellow uh, that I think Patrick said was um, in, a, in the early 90s or mid 90s that he made. Um, now that had served its life. Like we didn't fix that. Um, you know, we gave the guy a new shelter. Obviously, he's a longtime customer. We hooked him up. But, um, you know, that shelter's been. Um, you know, in service, uh, you know, let's say it, it, it was 92, um, you know, so that's 20, what, six years? Yeah, 26 years it's been uh, in the field and it looked like it. Uh, I, I mean, it was super brittle from the sun hitting it, but, um, you know, it's the same, um, same, you know, idea or principle, um, you know, it does last longer. So hopefully that's a good enough yeah, explanation. And, and you did a, you did a video on this since on our website, it's labeled the, the 30D debate and you kind of went over our fabric and then you kind of did durability testing between ours and our competitors and uh you know ours kind of was at the top of the of the food chain there but i know joey uh, i talked to him a few times on facebook and he's called a few companies he's i've sent him some samples and he's got some samples from other companies and he did his own durability test and he kind of said we came out on top as well so yeah, and I, there's not a, a a giant in your face difference. I will say that. Like, it's hard to tell. Um, but if you do, uh, um, uh, like, uh, when it's not that difficult to test. So it's, uh, I'm trying to say this without pissing anybody off. It's not like we don't have the capabilities of buying any fabric we want. And the one thing, our fabric is about 13. Man, it's, it's, I think it's our competitor's fabric is four something a yard and ours is 12 something or something like that. Um, roughly. And I'm, those aren't exact numbers. Don't hold me to that, but it's, it is, it's two or three times more expensive. Um, we believe me have tried on many times and many occasions we've built our shelters out of other material. And if I did that, if meaning I, in the position I'm at at Kafaru, if I made that decision and those shelters starting having failures, uh, the old crowd, I certainly would hang me upside down in the courtyard and stone me to death um, because they're so used to that durability of that, that specific fabric. That's not to say that um, other fabrics wouldn't do the job for most uh, scenarios, but until we find a fabric um, that's equal to or better than what we're using, we're not going to switch. I did have a guy email me, um, Hey man, uh, you know, check out this website. This is equivalent to what you're using. Um, man, I, I gotta say that fabric is, is just 30 D still nylon. It's not the same thing. It's, it's, um, still mass produced, um, you know, in high quantities, it's good fabric. It's just not the, the same, uh, part-time hunter. Any tips on using smaller amounts of paracord to react the paratarp? I've used cord to get the ceiling higher in the air from my, for my sitting up room, easier tarp access. Also, do you usually erect with trekking poles or sticks lying around? And does it defeat the purpose of taking trekking poles with you if you leave them at your shelter? Um, we talked about this a few minutes ago. Um, I'll, I'll erect it sometimes with sticks, sometimes with trekking poles, sometimes one trekking pole. Um, but you know, when I leave for the day, I just pull the guy lines tight. Uh, so my stuff's still covered. I obviously it's tight to the ground. Um, and that's just for a barrier for the weather on my gear. Uh, and when I get back, I put the trekking poles back in, uh, as far as using shorter cordage, what do I got? Three feet hanging off each corner, probably. 
Um, so on the four corners of the rectangle of either the super tarp or the paratarp, I've got three or four feet. Uh, this is for specifically for pitching it off the ground. Um, what I'll do is uh, I'll go, I'll lay the tarp flat, I'll pitch those, uh, you know, out at, at, at the exact angles, meaning, um, you know, coming off the same angle on all four corners, but I do it loosely. And then I just pop my trekking poles in. Um, you know, once those are in, I'll, I'll tighten up the guy lines a little bit. Then I'll go to the intermediate point. It's a couple feet. I'll pin that to the ground and then I'll go to the front and back. Um, you know, generally, uh, if I'm going to the ground, those are a little bit longer. Now, a lot of times if I'm in the trees, which I try to be, I tie the front and the back pretty low to the ground on the tree. And then I just pop my trekking poles up. Um, so I've got it's taut or there's tension on it going at a downward angle. Um, the trekking poles stay in place and then I just run around and put the other, uh, stake points out. Um, that's one of many different ways I've, I've set it up. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what, uh, what I generally do. Um, you pretty much pitch it to the ground for the most part, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amp seven thirteen with a floorless setup. What's the best way to protect your air pad in all situations? Um, Tyvek. I tried trolling. I tried rolling the tarp under my pad and as a way to hold the edges down. Uh, but then you've got a tarp right on you and your, yeah, don't do that. That does not work very well. If you need the tarp super tight to the ground on one edge, one of the things that I have done, depending upon the, uh, the ground is you can, and I, I do bring a walking stick IXX with me a lot. I'll just drag a line um, so I can bury that that uh, leading edge into the ground a little bit. Um, if there's pine needles or something or whatever, I'll kind of pile them up on there if I got to block that off. And then I'll run kind of a modified A-frame or a lean-to type um, you know uh, system with that. Uh, so I'll run it straight up at, a, uh, not straight up. I'll, rate it, rate, I'll run it up to an angle to my trekking poles. And then the other side's coming down kind of at an angle. Um, it's kind of like a bushcraft type system. Uh, how do they work when there's snow already on the ground? We talked about that. Uh, do you have to clear a spot out for the shelter? Just depends on how deep the snow is. If it's easy to clear it out, clear it. If not, tamp it down. So much hate. What did floors ever do to you from Casey Kale? You're a funny little guy. Um, will it keep unwanted cougars out if you pitch it to the ground from Alan Von Gunden? Uh, man, why, I, but why would you want to keep them out? Yeah, I was going to say that an unexpected cougar will keep you warm, quite possibly more motivation the next day. Well, you might be more tired the next day. You potentially could be more tired the next day. Uh, I don't know that there's too many negative sides of a cougar uh, <laughs> coming into camp. Especially if they're blonde. Uh, this one's easy, but not not as uh, up. up. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't think. Of. So heading west, why don't high-end single-wall shelters come seam-sealed? Pretty simple, dude. If somebody, if we get eight man, let's say we get an order for eight, eight mans, three sawtooths, four super tarps, and two tuts. Do you know what kind of square footage we would need to pitch those and see, see, see them in the time it would take? It's possible. Um, you, we could do it. But, man, one, we like people to seam seal them because it's uh, you get your familiarity with your your gear. Uh, but, man, it's, it's just the space. And that goes along for everybody, um, you know, to pitch those, having the right weather. 
um, you know, this, the space it takes, the time it would take and all of that, it's just not a viable option. So that's why, um, if we sold one a week, it'd be a different story, but, um, we sell quite a bit more than that. We just don't have the room. We would need a few football fields of, um, of land to be able to set all those up. Uh, busted knuckle woodwork. What function does a liner play in a four season shelter through the individual seasons? Um, really, uh, you know, if you're going to put a liner in, let's say a sawtooth, um, and you're in North Idaho, you probably want to leave it in there through all seasons, except maybe summer, you know, when it's not raining or whatever. Um, it just keeps the condensation from dripping on you. It doesn't really change the, you know, how hot it is or whatever inside the shelter. It's more for condensation. So if you don't have a condensation issue, you can pull it out to save the weight. Um, but when there's a condensation issue, you want to have it with you. Uh, keeping it warm during Colorado rifle season from Kyle uh, Wild. Um, build a fire. Uh, put a stove in there and use the stove. That's how you'll keep it warm. Do you use a ground tarp and a bivy? How about recommendations for a bivy to use in windy conditions where some wind might sneak under the edges? Uh, we talked about that already. You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Right now, what do we got? We got a, I've, uh, as soon as the big Agnes three wire bivvies come, um, I'm going to get Frank and I one of those. I will say back in the day when it was made out of event, that was by far my favorite bivy. It was lightweight, tons of headroom. It wasn't like you were in a bivy. Uh, they went to um, a different material last year. Or was that two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't keep using it. From my buddies that I know at Big Agnes, this year's is pretty kick-ass. So I would say... You know, upon further review, um, the Big Agnes three wire is going to be great. The one I used quite a while, uh, for quite a while, which is a bit uh, like bringing a semi truck through the drive through to order a cheeseburger, was the Rab Ridgemaster. That thing was probably the most epic, beefy bivy known to man. It was heavy though. They quit making that. The Ridge Raider, in my opinion, is a piece of shit because you have to climb <laughs> in it from the front end, like crawling down a snake's mouth. Who the why the hell would you not make the one that has a side entry? <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's one thing with bivvies. Do not get. I ordered a couple for Frank and I the other day. I wasn't paying attention. I I, I bought the wrong model. It has the standard, you know, crawl from the top of the barrel entry down. Do not buy a bivy like that. There is nothing good about those type of bivvies that don't have a longer zipper because you got to crawl in the freaking thing. Um, and then God forbid you got to do anything with any speed. Um, <laughs> cause you got to crawl back out. So make sure and get a side zip bivy. We also got the, uh, OR helium, the helium, yeah. helium, which the condensation is the only one we're going to be testing with that one. Um, but I would say the rab Alpine bivy, uh, is one I've used a bunch. That's really good. That big Agnes three wire, um, I haven't, you know, anything with event I've had great luck with, um, you know, some of the, you're going to get, you can get some condensation in the bivvies, especially, you know, if you're breathing, if you zip it fully closed, uh, closed, closed, um, you, your breath from the inside, especially if you're breathing like a mouth breather, you're going to get some condensation in there. Um, so you got to be mindful of that, but like, um, you know, if you're wanting get an event, um, or good Gore-Tex side zip bivy, um, if you want like a full on bivy that you can run without the tarp, 
Um, Bora makes one. There's several that are made that are just kind of for splash guards. I'm not a big fan of those because, um, you know, our, our sleeping bags are waterproof as much as that is. And, and I would just run our bag and not carry the extra weight. So when I run a bivy, I want it to be a good one. Yeah, I agree. That's all you got. Frank's got <laughs> a big dip in. Uh, let's see. Man, there's a lot of <laughs> ground tarp. Can you fit two cots and a stove and a sawtooth? Um, uh, also, ever use a sawtooth on ice? Uh, that's from Kyle Snow 19. I have, dude, and it's some epic shit because I went ice fishing inside the sawtooth with cots, a couple of chairs, and uh, it was paradise. Now, I will say I cheated. I brought a cordless drill and I drilled the uh, anchors into the, to the snow. Um, as far as cots go, if you have the giant military cots, not so much. It's a little bit tighter. If you have a little bit lower profile cots that are the ones that are like a foot. Um, you know, off the ground or uh, whatever that is, 14, 16 inches. Those work really well. Uh, the uh, luxury light cots, the what are they, Helionox, Helionox yeah. yeah, those work really well. Those are only four or five inches off the ground. Um, so you don't want to get the big, big cots, but yeah, you can definitely fit two in there. It's not a problem at all. Uh, Ty McEwen, uh, how to use the TP stove system to properly dry clothing. Also, how to vent properly to avoid overheating. You're not going to overheat in that thing, man. Just don't build the fire. It'll it'll cool right down. Um, the As far as drying clothes out, um, I, on my pile of wood, pull out my insoles and put my boots right there. Keep in mind when you do that, your boots can shrink if you dry them too fast. So don't do that. Um, but we have clotheslines in our um, teepees. And so the wettest stuff I hang closest to the pipe and then just kind of lay it back from there. Heat rises. And so that's pretty much it. Just hang it on the clothesline and call it good. Um, it's a pretty simple system. Uh, goat Hunt Mon MT. How do you get over the biggest fears and myths to go floorless and uh, netless, i.e. how to make the leap to the floorless? man the fuck up no i'm just kidding um <laughs> i i never had an issue a lot of time and <laughs> frank shaking his head at me um but truly i mean it, a lot of these things are a mental deal and i've been sleeping on the ground since i was a, a kid but you take like um amy you know amy was worried about it uh my girlfriend once she did it a couple nights and found that really you don't have to worry about mud on the floor, spilling stuff, you know, all the pros to at the stove, it was a non-issue. It just took a couple times to go. Um, and, uh, I can, I mean, you know, as I make jokes about manning up, um, and I'll probably get some hate mail from a woman's, uh, that's, uh, what's that called? Misogynist. I don't know. I'm sure it's going to be called something and I'm sure I'll get some hate mail over you it. Bastard woman up, woman up. Um, <laughs> See, now I could, like, if Shanley was here, she'd be slapping. She'd be like, man, I'd be a little bitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she blew by me on the trail. Um, but no, I think um, just to get over those fears, you're just going to have to do it. And, and honestly, a lot of them are, are, are more makeup in your head. So just go out there and give her a whirl. I mean, you're thinking about it. We've been sleeping on the ground since time began. So uh, it's not that uh, big of a deal. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Nothing. I was going to say, what do you think Jesus slept on? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Wasn't he a carpenter? I think he works for us now. Um, <laughs> David, one of our designers, he kind of looks like, well, nobody ever saw Jesus, right? But <laughs> if I thought <laughs> like my impression of what Jesus would look like, it was David. Uh, let's see. Uh, box versus cylinder stoves and recommendations on sizes of the stoves for your various shelters. Um, 
I think I can speak for Frank, but he'll chime in. We don't, we as in Frank and I don't cook on the stoves too much. And so if I'm within a mile from the truck um, or I have multiple people going or I'm truck camping, I run a box stove because, um, you know, the food will be um, uh, commensurate with the distance from the truck. Meaning uh, when you have the box stove and you're going to cook on it, you're also going to bring things that are generally not always, but sometimes heavier, take more prep. Um, and so that's when I'll bring the box stove. So I would say probably what 90 percent of the time we're running cylinders yeah 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 we run cylinders for just about everything um so i would say if you're going to try cooking on it you know run a box stove um you know if you're not if you're only going to boil a little bit of water for coffee the cylinder stove works great for that you can oh you can boil up to probably 32 ounces of water pretty easily on that just laying it on top of the stove kind of has a bit of an indention in it um it'll pop back out uh, so stove wise for the paratarp, um, super tarp, tut and sawtooth, I would say you want a 18 inch, uh, Smith cylinder stove works in all those. Um, once you are, uh, if you're going to run a box stove, uh, a medium box is what I run in all of those. It's a little big for the paratarp. Um, and then once you get Franken is having some serious microphone issues. Son of a. Flavor Flav would be pissed. Um, <laughs> so if you're going to run a, uh, a box stove uh, for an eight-man um, sawtooth and tut medium box, uh, you can run a large in a tut and a sawtooth, but it's getting a little bit overboard, uh, but you can do it. Uh, some guys were asking about this the other day. I ran an Arctic in a sawtooth <laughs> way overboard. Uh, it, it I was, remember that. Yeah, it was warm. Um, and so the eight man, you're going to want to go probably from a, um, you know, not probably, you're going to want to go from a medium to a large uh, in real cold weather, uh, large box stove. Um, you could run an Arctic in an eight man. Um, if I was truck camping or camping close to the road with another guy and it was extreme cold weather i would have no issue running an arctic and an eight man just for the simple fact it's more uh you know a lot more uh, heat uh but i'm a weenie so don't go off of me the, the technical answer would be a large for an eight man for cold weather uh when you get to a 12 man uh definitely a large um, and in real cold weather, you can run an Arctic. Uh, after that, you know, 16 and 24, you definitely want to run an Arctic. Uh, what you can also do, like in a 12-man, you can do double up larges. You can run a large on either side. Um, again, I do not like getting cold. And so I always bump up to the next size stove when I can. Um, I've run larges and super tarps, which people thought I was crazy, uh, large boxes, but, uh, before we came out of the cylinder, but I didn't have any issue with it. So hopefully that, uh, you know, covered kind of a parameter of what you'd need. This is kind of related, but if you're going to, if you have several or you have a couple different stoves, you know, our stove, depending on the stove size, they have different diameters of pipes for the stove jack circle or X. Yeah. You're going to have a big hole. And your sawtooth if you're on an Arctic in that bad boy because the pipe, uh, it's small children could crawl in. Yeah, I think um, it's six inches diameter. Yeah, it's a big one. So, yeah, that's something to think about as well. Um, uh, the same guy here, um, Goat Hunt MT, uh, very good question. With modern tent technologies, there are lots of two-person tents that are sub three pounds and a handful that are just over two pounds. Excluding a stove, what makes a teepee tarp a better option? Um, 
Well, a teepee doesn't really count just because they're, I mean, it's, you know, there's no shelter that's, you know, going to be two pounds. It's a teepee. But uh, for a tarp, there's a few different things. Um, the versatility of setting it up, um, you know, a tarp is a pound um, about. Uh, so a little bit lighter weight. Um, and then obviously you can add a stove later. So you, I know you said excluding a stove, but it's hard to exclude a stove totally because you can add it later, making it more versatile. Uh, but lightweight and awkward pitching situations would be the biggest one. Um, if, um, you know, if it was something, um, uh, to where you're just in a high mosquito area, you're camping in the trees, you're camping once a week, a tarp may not be the one or once a week, one, one week a year, a tarp may, may not be the best option. Um, you know, I just, I, you know, if you listen to the South Cox podcast we did yesterday, he and I kind of went back and forth a little bit. I've seen too many ultralight three season shelters bite the dust in bad weather. Um, where with a tarp, I've never had one of our tarps go down in bad weather. So that, um, uh, you know, that, that's one of the biggest things is just durability when, when conditions do go kind of south. All right. From a fiddle, is it possible to ruin a carbon fiber pole by having it too close to the wood stove? Um, I, I ruined one that way, uh, but I was, I was testing it to the um, extreme limits as, as far as being really close to the pipe and burning it super hot because we, we've tried, we've dove, dove down a carbon uh pole rabbit hole several times because uh you know we would like to lighten up our center poles but we don't um you know you, we don't want them to snap um and we haven't had the greatest of luck in in extreme conditions with that carbon pole but yes it it, it is it's just like an arrow and i would say hold uh you know start your stove um and then uh you know hold an arrow above it three inches or six inches or how close your carbon fiber pole is going to be see what happens to the arrow and that'll kind of tell the tale Uh, how would you vent? Uh, how would you vent a mid and rainy weather in mid and rainy weather to mitigate condensation when using a liner? Or when, excuse me, when not using a liner. Uh, this is from Logan Ingram. Really, the only thing you can do is pitch it off the ground a little bit more. Uh, potentially open up either the top or the bottom zipper. If you open up the top, you're gonna get some rain in. So I'll open up the bottom in hopes to get wind blowing through there. But um, condensation is just a problem with a single wall shelter. Sometimes you know you can only do your best, and you're still gonna get some. Uh, tarp and teepee uh, above tree line in the wind. This is from Nick Paff. Also, what makes Kafaru shelters better than the competition? I run a different band shelter, but would consider making the change to Kafaru if it's worth it. The the, the material. Um, is the biggest thing um you know i think the other companies have got them figured out how they sew them pretty well um you know so i can't say that there's any negative sides of that the material is the biggest issue and uh, uh i've already covered some of that but uh, again you know we've been in business for a really long time um 1995 for kafaru um 1980 for mountain smith when he was building shelters back then um so at the very least, we've been using the same material for, you know, 15 years, basically, um, uh, you know, 12 years or whatever the case may be or whatever it is. So um, that material has definitely proven the test of time, and that's going to be the biggest difference. Uh, even OK, this is from Christopher J. Um, Moran, even though it's not a direct question on floorless shelters, can you talk about the stove use? 
uh, picking the right wood stove, set up in the tent, how not to die, stuff like that. Um, just make sure you need some ventilation when you set the, a stove up. Um, so that's important. You know, make sure when you're putting the stove, um, this isn't a die thing, but a, more of a ease of use thing. When you're setting up your shelter, whether it be a, a TUD or a super tarp, or I kind of have a system. Um, I have my stove facing one direction, which is almost straight to me, uh, so I don't have to move out of my bag when I'm filling it up. I have my gear to the side of me, like in the super tarp, uh, dress right, dress left to right, um, just so I've got everything I need. I've got a way to get out of the shelter easy. I've got a way the wood is easy, uh, attainable to fit, feed the stove. Uh, that goes the same with, uh, you know, the sawtooth and the tut and eight man or whatever. Um, you know, you want to set up the set it up to where your your bedroll, your gear, everything is accessible. You can feed the fire while in your bag or pretty close to it. You can reach the wood to do so. Um, I always have my fire starting kit to get the good the uh, wood going pretty close to me. So, you know, that kind of a thing, something to think about. The ventilation is just carbon monoxide poison. You got to be worried about that. So make sure they're ventilated. Uh, Cody Turner, 77. Uh, do you advise seam sealing the sawtooth every year is once good? I've never seam sealed a shelter twice. Um, you might have to over a long period of time, but you, you'll know, I mean, if it's leaking in the seams or whatever you would know, but I would say, you know, you might have to seam seal it once every five to 10 years, but, um, yeah, no, just, just a one time. Uh, max, uh, rep 623. I'm going to go take a look at your profile. You a big dude. How many reps are you doing? I know you got a cool looking dog. Oh. He's a CrossFitter. I don't want to, don't make fun of me. I don't do CrossFit. Beat my ass in the CrossFit gym. All right, coming back. Um, <laughs> squirrel. Uh, let's see. Where was I at? Uh-oh. Man, that started me over. It says, where the hell does a guy start in deciding which shelter to start with when just starting out looking at doing a, an elk hunt in the western states? Uh, call us. We can walk you through it. I'd say the easiest thing to do. I mean, there's so many variables and questions. Like if a guy just straight up asks, Hey, what shelter should I get? I'm hunting in, you know, late August, September. Um, you know, that question would change dramatically if he forgets to leave out, but I'm going to draw a fourth season tag next year, you know, so that, that may change it. So call and we can go over all the, you know, the different, um, what, what did Bilbo bag and say, what fours and why fours, what's and why fours. You lost me there. You didn't see the Hobbit? No, I haven't seen the Hobbit. I saw the that's Lord of communist. The Rings. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Have you, you haven't ISIS. seen them all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, blue collar harvester, very detailed. Why for? <laughs> um, man, I well, I think we've covered that. Uh, you know, it's um, it can be more versatile, can be lighter weight. You can add the stove. Um, it's not the option for everybody. There's no doubt, but, um, versatility, um, you know, sometimes ease of use, adding the stove, all of those things, uh, TRD hunter stove, use setup, site selection scenarios, pros, cons versus tent. I think we've covered all those. Uh, we've covered mosquitoes and critters. Um, do you have to run a spark arrestor on the stove on first service land? I don't know, but you better. Your yeah. shit's going to look religious because it'll be holy. Um, always run a spark arrestor. Uh, ace outside. Lots of stuff on here. When is a stove overkill appropriate or a necessity? Lots of condensation questions. Uh, period, period, period. High to low venting, wind direction stuff, snow loads. Um, I think we've covered all of those except snow loads. Um 
you that I mean you the as far as snow loads, you have got to get the snow. This isn't just with floorless shelters, all shelters. Um if you are in a blizzard and you leave for the cor- the, the day, there is a chance tent or floorless your shelter will not be standing erect when you get back you have to be able to beat the snow off the sides of those things because is the same with a center pole or poles on a tent the more stove sits snow sits on there the more pressure you have pushing against those poles or that center pole and eventually the material or the pole the pole will snap so i don't know what the exact snow load is but you definitely don't want to push it uh what's your cold uh freezing and below set up inside the shelter with snow and without um i don't know what that uh i just i mean maybe i just run a tyvek um you know on the ground and uh you know i run a you know if it's a sawtooth or a tut or something i run an 18 inch cylinder um that's about it nothing really changes um you know freezing or below um, this guy's just asking about the condensation side of things. The most ventilation you can get, um, if it's a sawtooth or bigger run a liner, um, you can use one of those towels to wipe down the sides. And then obviously, yeah, burning the stove will definitely, you know, help it as well. Any condensation with closed end tarps? Yes. You're going to get, if it's a condensating, you know, if it's a high humidity area, wet grass, rainy, um, you know, you're going to get condensation. How's the tarp and strong winds? Man, it's pretty freaking strong. Um, I've had mine in some pretty high winds and never had an issue. Yeah. I went floorless when I made my own tent, but I want a sawtooth or teepee. My wife of 14 years keeps saying no. Hell, I even threatened to stay another 14 years, and she still says no. <laughs> it's pretty funny. This is from Heat Miser. Um, what's the best business case to present uh, for a high-end tent to your wife? Uh, the bean diet didn't work either. Um, man, I, other than like comfort of living, having that stove and everything else, I'm not sure, man. I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. I just got uh, divorced from a woman I never was married to. I'm probably the wrong guy. Tort here uh, hasn't decided what he's going to do when he grows up either. We may need to get another I guest. Will. I don't think he should grow up. Yeah, me either. It's overrated. Uh, what are some considerations in heavy rain with a floorless shelter? Uh, just where you pitch it is the big one. Just make sure you don't pitch it in a depression or where there's a giant creek going to flow down and, and you're good. Uh, we covered snow. Uh, do you ever have any issues with my snake score? I, no, I have not. Uh, that's from Jake Collenbach. Um, uh, this is from Mike and uh, Mike Rennick. 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 Mike Rennick. Um, trying to jump into backcountry hunting. What would be the best or most versatile sleep shelter set up for four seasons i've thought about bivy and super tarp and possible stove something like the sawtooth and stove have any of you ran into older forest service sleeping bags with canvas shell yes don't get those they suck heard they were pretty hefty yes that is true but indestructible that is also true uh do not get one of those um yeah i mean probably for a one guy the super tarp bivy uh stove combo will get you done for really literally just about anything um, the sawtooth, if you're going to have a buddy, I would say is a great option for a one do all shelter as well. Uh, do not buy that sleeping bag. I guarantee the first time you carry it in will be your last, um, uh, adventure on outdoors, outdoors, stove choices, packing them. 
and the weather condition temps you bring them versus leaving them in the truck. Uh, pack them. I actually, I'll generally either put it between my lid and my bag or I'll put it in a grab it on the back. I generally don't put it on the inside of the shelter. Um, I mean, for me, if I'm going to be cold, I bring the stove, meaning, uh, you know, if it's going to be, uh, super wet or super cold, I bring the stove. Um, I mean, really that's it. I don't, are you any different, Frank? I mean, yeah, if it's going to be wet, I'm bringing the stove, even if it's warm, but if it's going to be, uh, cold, I just bring it because it's so much easier to get going in the morning. Uh, how, how do you keep water from running in during rain? Again, uh, this is Keegan Bowhunter. Um, when it rains and you look all over the earth, the entire earth is not covered in rain when it rains. It's the same thing. So when you pitch your shelter, just put it where rain is not going to be. Rain doesn't run everywhere. And so, uh, and again, uh, if you pitch it on like a bench and there's rain, a little bit of rain there, because uh, it's raining so hard, once the shelter's up, that rain soaks into the ground and it's a non-issue. I usually have like two inches of rain from on the edge at worst come in, um, two or three. Uh, what's the best ground cloth? That's Tyvek. This is from Luke Myers. Um uh, do you ever cook with a gas stove? Yeah, and uh, especially when I'm truck camping. Um, and I don't know if you mean like a MSR reactor. That's about all we cook with inside the the shelters. I don't cook on the stove very often. I usually have a um, an MSR reactor or some type of stove with me. Um, floorless in the southeast. Uh, thin think ticks, chiggers, snakes, and high humidity. Uh, any way to make it work. Um, man, in the very limited amount that I've done down there, it's humid as hell. Even in, uh, dual wall shelters, it sucks. I would just say, make sure you use a bug net, but you're going to have condensation in any shelter. So I don't have a lot to give you, uh, mostly cause I had just haven't camped down there a lot. So I don't want to speak about it too much. Uh, hunt fish P and W, uh, trendiness and minimal weight savings aside, what are the benefits? Um, and I actually replied to, the hunt fish guy, the trendiness thing kind of got me going. I was laughing just because, um, I mean, I, I guess maybe it's trendy now, but, um, it's trendy for a reason because cool people were using them before and now it's trendy. But, um, I would say the minimal weight savings aside is arguable because it depends if you compare, a a super tarp footprint and an annex and a stove in comparison to a four season shelter, uh, it's still going to be lighter weight than a four season shelter. And you can, you know, obviously, make a fire inside of it um so for uh, and as an example the minimal weight savings uh let's say a, a super tarp and an annex uh compared to a big agnes fly creek ul2 uh so you're at a pound and a half um uh i mean let's give it a pound and three quarters and for the fly creek ul2 it's three pounds um can you look that up frank and make sure um uh so how much money is uh, a, a, an ounce worth? Um, I've seen several like you know different articles about this. So uh, an ounce, once you have super high end gear, is usually about a hundred bucks to save. Um, so if you're saving uh, sixteen ounces, that's sixteen hundred bucks. So is it worth a pound uh, to not have a dual wall shelter or not have a floor? Um, Man, I don't know. I can tell you at 12,000 feet after climbing 5,000 feet in elevation with 50 pounds of shit on my back, I'd say it's worth it. Um, but it may not be for you. And I mean, that is a very good point. Like, you know, minimal weight savings aside, 
um, you know, let's say a pound is minimal. Um, is that worth it to you? The other thing is, you know, sometimes obviously I like to take it throughout the course of the day with me, um, and set it up as either a sunshade or a rain, uh, block. Um, also there's times I can pitch it, uh, in places where I can't pitch, um, a regular tent. So those would be the big ones. The Fly Creek is one pound, 15 ounces. No, the UL2. Yeah. The Fly Creek UL2. So you're looking at probably there for the UL2, um, I would say between six. Yeah. You're looking at between six and eight ounces. So by that you're looking at six to $800. Um, I, is it worth it? I mean, to be able, again, like we talked about, be able to add a stove later, um, but, you know, pitching it in different situations, man, it just depends. If you're only camping in three season, um, you know, conditions, maybe it's not worth it. You know, it just depends on how versatile you want to be. I don't know if you've mentioned this yet or if we've mentioned this, but the amount of usable space or amount of room you get with a tarp over a, over a tent is yeah, double it. Yeah. It's there's, you get a substantial amount more just yeah. running a tarp. And especially if say you are pitching it off the ground, then you have a, a shitload of room, but even if you're pitching them to the ground, you have a ton of room compared to, to your standard tent. Yeah. And I mean that fly Creek UL two is not a two person tent where, um, I mean it would be, it's tight for one guy really. Um, so, you know, I say apples to apples or whatever, you still kind of get the point. Um, uh, outdoor silverback on tents. The general rule is don't purchase a two man tent for two guys as though, uh, doable. They are too small. That's a hundred percent correct. When going floorless, is it safer to oversize as well to ensure enough room? If you're going to be in a traditional windy, uh, country with afternoon rains seems weight penalty is minimal. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say size up a little bit, but as Frank just said, uh, you definitely get more bang for the buck with a, with a tarp and, and keep in mind, um, you know, with this, it's not like, um, I mean, Frank and I run both have run both. There's certainly a time, um, that, you know, a three season tent or shelter may be a better option. It's just as far as the most versatile and well-rounded, that's when it kind of changes the, the spectrum. Um, Hold on, I lost my place here. Uh, Ryan McIntosh, how would you rate the Seek Outside Shelters? And I answered this. I don't think it's a good idea to ask the guy that runs Kefaru and his partner in crime to rate a, another company's shelters. Um, I don't know if you're doing that to be a smartass or what, but um, I don't think that's fair to Kefaru or fair to, to Seek Outside. Uh, they seem like a great company. Um, they make great products. Uh, I, I guess I'll leave it at that. How, I actually, honestly, to tell, why the hell would you ask that on a <laughs> Kafaru International podcast? Um, I can understand uh, some things, but that that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, so yes, we're non-biased um, for every other gear, I guess, except what we sell. We're definitely going to be biased towards that. Um, if joining two trekking poles for a longer center pole, what product can be used or how have you joined them successfully in the past? I made my own out of PVC pipe. I probably won't ever do it again. Um, uh, it's not the most sturdy in the world, um, but, you know, that's um, th- that's an option. Um, you know, PVC pipe, make your own. 
uh, seam sealing. Uh, this is from Twisted Tine. Uh, seam sealing the tarp, paint thinner, no paint thinner. Can you still seal it up if it's cold out? Um, depends on how cold. Uh, you definitely want to use the paint thinner. I'm so lazy, though, I buy Silnet because I don't want to mix it up all the time unless I'm doing a big shelter. Um, I just go buy that McNet stuff. Uh, but you definitely want to use paint thinner and make kind of a slurry. Um, slurry. If I This is a good question from uh, MCMDNA. If I leave a box of wine outside the tent, will the unwanted <laughs> cougar leave me alone, or do I need to hang it on the lodge pole? It depends if your cougar is a wino. Um, they tend to be. Uh, it seems like I'm, it happens. I would say out of ratio cougars, it's got to be – Two to one, they drink wine. Yeah. <laughs> Got nothing. My cougar's a white oak. I, well, she's not now. She stopped drinking, but she was. She could knock down some wine in her day. Um, yeah. Mitch Baker 100. This is my concern as well. Mice on and under the tent make it hard to sleep. I heard Jake uh, Allenback beat a mouse to death under his tent floor one night in Colorado. You could hardly take a step without seeing a mouse scurry away that year. It was crazy. I literally stepped on one while just hiking down the trail. Man, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't have answers for everything if it's that bad. Um, I, I, uh, I don't really know that it would be good in a tent or a floorless, but if that's that big of a problem, uh, you better bring a hammock. Yeah. I went, um, I took Zach on an elk hunting trip once and we were in a sawtooth and uh, he went to get in his sleeping bag and there was a mouse inside of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but that was the only mouse that so I guess we had an issue with then. That's funny. Uh, this one's uh, Brody H5. I would appreciate if you could talk about how someone would use a backpackable one to two man shelter in an area not in the mountains. Um, okay. So I did a backpack hunt in the Dakotas myself. Uh, I think they said it was like proposed Obama land, um, where it was just kind of rolling Hills type of a thing. And, uh, it's really no different other than it was a lot easier because, um, uh, you know, other than finding some the wood out there, I say easier, I could see a hell of a lot farther. Um, but I don't think anything, uh, you know, changes. It says everyone and their first cousin talks about backpacking in the mountains, but I'm planning to archery muley hunt in the Dakotas where I hope to set up a one man camp four miles from the truck. I'm particularly interested in the super tarp, uh, and its versatility. Uh, will be hot first two weeks of September. So, I mean, in that case, uh, you know, one to two man shelter, actually a tut might be better uh, than the super tarp, unless you're going to be running it more for one guy than, than two or two guys than one or one guy than two, um, unless you run the super tarp and just pitch it flat, um, you know, kind of like we do within two people fit under it. Fine. Really nothing changes other than you just don't have the, you know, the climb in everything else is still pretty much the same. Uh, what ways, if any, have you secured your stove jack in the winds? Also, uh, you ever had marmots fuck with your shit when camping? Um, I don't, I never have to mess with, uh, when you say, um, secure your stove jack in high winds, I, I guess you mean your stove pipe in the stove jack maybe? Yeah. Sounds um, like I, um, I cut my hole small enough. It's a moot point, but if it's going up and down. Uh, meaning like the wind's blowing and it's popping it up and down. Um, I have taken extra wire and then wired the pipe to the box or the cylinder, um, you know, just to make sure it doesn't blow up and down. And if the winds are that bad, that is an option. Um, 
I've never had marmots uh, do it in the shelter. I have had marmots eat my shoulder straps um, while backpacking. Um, I've had them eat the foam off my tripod. I've had them eat some food. Um, yeah, I mean, they're mean little bastards. Um, let's see, Mountain Bomb, uh, Warzone 14. I use my Paratarp here in the AZ Desert. I just use an REI bivy sack that has a mesh screen to breathe from. Fits my pad and bag, adds maybe 10 degrees of warmth rating of my bag in the winter. Haven't figured out how to temp regulate in early season and lower units like uh, 35, 6, and 7. So that's a very good answer Answer from Mountain Bomb. The only thing I would say to, to regulate, let's say, would you get a bug bivy uh, for the summer months? Tyvek or Polycrow, no issues with gas stove? I think he's asking the answer. Oh, somebody. answer, okay. Um, purge, uh, frailty. I placed the six man teepee in a roll top dry sack for extra compression to save pack space. Does compressing the short and long term effect? Oh, does compressing it affect it? Man, I can't say that it does. I mean, I would think it has to a little bit, but I compress the living crap out of mine. So does Patrick, um, and never been an issue. So I don't, I think it would have to be like an extreme you know, that 15, 20 year time frame, definitely over 10 before it would matter. Uh, Jake, uh, Jake Rerick, I'm 6'3". Can I reasonably expect to stand up and change clothes in a shelter I can pack in like a sawtooth or is it the pipe dream? Oh, you can stand up and change, but you're going to be hunched over a hair. Matt Fedig, how big's Matt? 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, my one hunt buddy, I kept saying he's 6'10". He's actually 6'8". He and his brother, who are 6'6 six, six, uh, and 6'8", they love the sawtooth because they can stand up halfway and put it on. At 6'3", you're going to be able to almost stand up vertical, but not quite. Uh, but there is quite a bit of room in there, and I know tons of tall guys that use it. So, uh, What mountain ranges are they good for to not be eaten alive? Hmm. I don't know what you mean. Do you have to be at a certain elevation and higher to, oh, for bugs? Oh, well, anything above tree line, there's generally no bugs. Um, it depends on the rain each year and everything else, but we talked, <coughs> ooh, excuse me, we talked about before the thermocell and the bug coils will help or a bug net. Uh, part, great check. Uh, okay, we answered that one. Uh, okay, so Sinjin something said at Kafaro Cast, it is a trend these days. Outdoor hipsters, sandal wearing, bike packing dudes talk about it a lot, but don't worry because we all know you've been doing it since before hipsters were born. Uh, even freaking Nemo is making floorless hunting shelters now. Crazy. Yeah, no, I see what you guys are definitely saying on the trendy thing. It just caught me off guard because I'm like, man, I've been running these forever and, and Patrick's been running them. I think him and Jesus slept under the same tarp. He's been running forever. Um, so yeah, I, I understand. I dig what you're shoveling though. Um, Thunder, Thundering Bear 777. I'm nervous to use my sawtooth in deeper snow with the stove. I've heard of a couple stories about another brand, Sierra Designs, melting snow, then freezing into the ice on the bottom uh, and needing to be chipped out when leaving. Any tricks to prevent this or have you uh, even heard of this happening? Not on a sawtooth. I did on an eight man. Uh, what happened? I pitched it in like four inches of snow straight to the ground. It snowed quite a bit more after that. 
Um, and then obviously froze and then the heat from the inside. I did pull it right out. It didn't damage it, but it definitely was frozen inside. I don't think you're going to have, um, you know, an issue unless it just pounds like crazy snow on the outside. And again, um, it should pull right out. I mean, that material is super slick, so it shouldn't freeze into the snow, uh, where you can't get it out. Um, in what scenarios would you run a tarp bivy combo versus just a floorless shelter? How often do you post up under a tarp while glassing? Uh, I post up under a tarp a shitload. Most of the time when I, and a lot of the photos you'll see where I have these crazy, like on my Instagram page, um, I'd say that's probably the best place to see a lot of the pitching. You know, as well as the Kafaru Instagram, my own, a lot of those I'm, I'm actually glassing from where I'm sleeping. So when I wake up, I literally just roll my fat ass out of bed and start glassing from there. I really like when I can glass from a deer bed or sleep in a deer bed and just start glassing from there. Um, you know, when, and I mean, certain scenarios, extremely horrible weather, I'll bring a bivy and a tarp. Uh, but for the most part, um, bugs aside, you know, leaving bugs out in normal summer weather, I just bring the tarp. Well, you hardly ever bring a bivy. Um, yeah, very rarely. Let's see. Uh, condensation is not uh, an, an issue here like in Colorado in warm, hot weather um, or next to none. Uh, late season, cold as fuck and snowy. You, you could get some. It's actually the midpoints. Cold and snowy, you don't get as much condensation. Really, it's not that big of a problem. Plus, you have the stove. It's I would say it's the mid-temps that really get you um on that note i have to take a potty break frank is going to take over the questions from here what are you using to keep your bag from getting wet tyvek slash bivy etc and how do you battle heavy rain um like aaron was saying i I don't take a bivy all that often i think with a floorless shelter it's kind of the nature of the beast that you're going to get some condensation it's going to drip so kind of touching on what aaron said if if I bring one of those lightweight towels or if I have an extra t-shirt or something, I'll wipe stuff off um, to kind of mitigate that from, from getting the bag wet. I think something that I found for me works out well or it's kind of important to me is I, I like to use a synthetic bag. So, you know, if in worst case scenario, your bag does get pretty wet or soaked, um, you're not going to lose all of that uh, heat retaining, all the heat retaining uh, properties like you would um, say with down. Um, I know there is hydrophobic down, but even so that stuff um, can get soaked and eventually, you know, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to keep its heat retention. So I think that's one thing that I find important is just having that synthetic sleeping bag. Um, how do you battle heavy rain? You don't, it just sucks. Um, as far as the condensation goes, um, I don't worry about it coming under the, the tarp at all. Um, but the condensation portion can really be a, epic pain in the in the butt um so yeah that's the biggest thing condensation so a liner ventilation and then just get used to some condensation and kind of have to suck it up what are the benefits of running let's say a sawtooth or something like a hillberg nalo in september while hunting elk given the temps aren't too cold um the weight is pretty close to the um you know the same i would just i I would say it's kind of a excuse me uh a toss-up um, the, the big thing is you can stand up in a sawtooth. You just got more room than you do in a Nalo. Like you can sit in a Helinox chair with another dude and, and, uh, chill out in front of a sawtooth. Same chair? What's that? Same chair? Same chair. 
Same, same. What? You can sit in a, in a chair with another dude. Yeah, that came that didn't come out right. I'm not going to quit on you. So you can sit in the same type of chair, but different chairs in the front of a sawtooth. If you wanted to sit in the same chair, you don't want it to be one of those lightweight ones because it's not going to hold you guys both up. Um, so just um, the ability to stand in the room. Um, uh, the Nalo, I think, is six. The Nalo GT2 is six something um, pounds. And so that's about the same weight as a sawtooth with a liner. So condensation is kind of a a moot point again with the liner apples to apples. So really the biggest thing would just be the room. Um, I don't think really like you're not going to really save any weight from one to the other. Um, you know, other than obviously the option, you can add a uh, stove to the sawtooth later. Um, you know, it's really at that point going to be if you want a floor or not. With a tarp bivy or no bivy and why? Man, it just depends on the situation. If I was going to suggest for a one-man do-all shelter, it'd be a super tarp bivy uh, annex stove to be able to handle everything in any season. Um, but I would say that um, I would go just get the tarp first without the bivy. Um, and then if you think you need it to add, whether it be protection, increased heat, whatever, then add the bivy because i know a lot of guys they do not run a bivy and never will they just run the tarp yeah i think uh you know i like you're saying i and i was saying i don't run the bivy all that often but i think i'll i'll incorporate that into the into the setup this season just for the added comfort um go hard live hard uh you have many options and this is sort of a loaded question but fella on a budget looking for a backpacking friendly stove floorless combo all around one shelter by whether you're going to be a little under sheltered in the winter or over sheltered in the summer uh, location mainly in the lower 48 i'd say that's super tarp for a solo guy um in a cylinder stove yeah if it's just one guy then yeah yep yeah, yeah. uh fins and tines uh at kafaro cast during high country archer are you using a florida shelter or a hilleberg well, both really we've been going back and forth um i guess so we can kind of go just quickly. So the year Phil shot his sheep, I ran a, a Rab Ridgemaster bivy and a sheep tarp for almost the whole year. Never ran a, uh, I ran a mega tarp some too, I guess. Um, never ran a Hilleberg at all. Uh, and then last year, so that's three years ago. Uh, two years ago, I ran a tut um, or a super tarp and a little bit of Hillebergs. Last year we ran hillebergs for almost everything except when we needed a stove and then we ran stoved shelters um i guess are you pretty close to the same yeah i've, I've kind of jumped back and forth i think the first actual backpacking tent i had was an msr hubba hubba and then i got a a go light sl5 for me and my buddies and then um I actually got that. I think I got that mega tarp from Dan. Not shortly, shortly after that, or I think I had a mountain smith. By the way, Dan, if you're listening, I gave that to you, and you sold that to Frank. He sold it to me for almost full price. Yeah, <laughs> not sure what's up with that, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, but you know, ever since I kind of transferred over to the tarps, I mean, I've used that most of the time compared to to floor shelters. Which it just works out for me. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, uh, best option for Kodiak for two people that that's um, and I can't say this from first ex firsthand experience this is from all my buddies that run them up there's a, a sawtooth with a liner and a stove um, 
some of us have uh, smaller budgets than others and a high quality shelter isn't cheap. If you could only have one to hunt in BC, uh, which one and why? Um, man, that really depends on if you want to run a stove. Um, you know, if you want to run a stove, I would say the sawtooth, uh, especially if, you know, if you're with a buddy, if you don't want to run a stove, I would say one of the Hillebergs uh, is going to be your, you know, your best bet. Uh, that's just really going to depend on if you want to run a stove or not. In uh, the planning, this is from Fauna um, Ridge Outdoors. In the planning phase of a trip, what factors do you consider when deciding on your shelter type? Um, if it's solo or two, if it's one or two people, uh, what elevation, the distance we're going in, and the weather uh, is what I look at. What about? Yeah, and possibly the availability of, of wood. Well, yeah. I mean, that would also depend on the time of year. But Yeah, those are the, all the things that, that, that I look at and, and Frank looks at. Um, will the harm be done if this is from beef fiddle, if you compress it? There's got to be some harm, but I'd say it's uh, minimal uh, next to none from compressing it. Um, how much cordage? Uh, you should know that ahead of time, actually. So, Kurt M2323, the biggest things to consider when running a tarp only set up and how the tarp is set up leaving the house um, how much cordage attached and where um, you know I would basically pitch it to where it'll pitch uh, as an a-frame normally like with it like a super tarp and then I always have the same cord extra in my pack um, no matter what if I'm hunting or not and that'll get you done meaning if you need more to pitch it off the ground or not so an extra you know 20 25 to 50 feet of uh you know 1.8 to 23 2.3 millimeter guy line uh and then what it already comes with would should be more than enough um charlie uh slaymaker my wife and one-year-old son western washington uh spring fishing to september blacktail i'd get the sawtooth and a liner because you're in western washington uh, do you need a bivy with a down bag because of condensation? If you're not running a uh, a liner and you have like a, a super fragile outer shell, um, and you don't want to be super mindful of it, then yeah, I would run a I would run a um, a bivy on the outside of it. Uh, when do you for tarps first teepees? When I need more room. When I mean when Frank and I are both going, we'll run a sawtooth, and uh, you know when more than that go, we run a teepee. Uh, liners or no for late season high elevations and sawtooth i can't get partner to do the liner because of the extra weight um in colorado we don't run a liner that often um you know you just have to be prepared to have some condensation how do you deal with pitching issues on rocky areas i just use the rocks to pitch um you know if i've got let's say 70 percent of the stakes in the ground and the other ones i can't get in i just use rocks to pitch uh, Three-person shelter with a stove and eight-man is probably the best. Um, let's see, uh, B underscore M underscore Iln. Um, I'm looking at buying a tut mainly for summer trips with my boys who are still young in the mountains of Alberta for fishing and canoeing. How do you combat the bugs in the summer, mosquitoes and ticks? What stove would you recommend to go with? Um, again, the thermocell, bug coils, um, you know, get a bug net. Uh, I'd run a cylinder stove, an 18-inch cylinder stove. Um, you know, that would probably be best. That's all I got. Is that all of them? Yeah, I think that's it. Good um, lordy. Yeah, I think we might mention again that you're giving away your, your prime bow. Yes, um, I am giving away my prime fully so set up. I don't think we set, we mentioned that on the podcast yet, but 
Um, just go to Aaron's page. She's got a post on there. Uh, I think you got to like the post, like Kafaro cast, like prime, uh, like my page, which is tort life. And then, um, share the, or tag a friend, right? Is that what it was? It's kind of a lot, but it's a, it's a big, it's a big prize. It's probably well over a thousand dollar value. It's a prime synergy, high synergy hybrid, right? Yeah. It's so it's a prime synergy hybrid. Um, we'll have a seven pin true ball, um, site on it. It'll have a DOA arrow rest, uh, true ball execute release black Eagle arrows. Um, will it have an Aaron Snyder autograph? Only if you request it, because I feel <laughs> weird about that shit. Um, it is not a new bow. It has seen some death. Um, it's lucky, though. That's the thing. It does hit what it's aiming at. So, yeah, fully set up system. Um, probably uh, also potentially maybe throw some iron will or cutthroat broadheads in there with it. Um, but either way, you got to just, you got to like a bunch of pages or follow. So you got to follow Frank the Tank or Tort Life. Uh, myself, Kafaru Cast, as well as Prime uh, G5, and you're entered to win. And then on the thread on the Kafaru Cast uh, page or, or my own, you have to um, uh, hashtag uh, Kafaru Cast giveaway, I guess. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, and you'll be entered to win. So, yeah. and then we're giving that away actually on my birthday, January 27th. For those of you out there who want to send gifts, chocolate chip cookies are accepted. Um, Copenhagen. Yes. Copenhagen Copenhagen. snuff. Get it right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, those uh, definitely enter that. And then one thing I think I'd finish up with, I mean, Frank and I obviously work for Kafaru, uh, but we we use uh, multiple different shelters, um, you know, through the course of the past several years. There's not um, uh, a best uh, shelter, a do all for everything. There's compromises on 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 all sides of the fence. you know, if you run a uh, ultralight three-season tent, uh, durability is going to be one, and then for harsh weather conditions, going to be other. If you run just a tarp, uh, you're going to have the bonus of lightweight, be able to pitch it in different areas a little bit easier. Move, you know, you can use it around to move it at e- during each day without a big wet weight penalty, but. Harsher weather conditions, you've got a tarp, so you know, but you can add things to it. Running a four season tent, you're gonna have weight penalties. Um, so there's no right answer. Uh, really, we're just trying to get info out to help people make the best decision for themselves. I, I think for me, um, for the most part, the tarp bivvies forward slash stove combo um, is probably gonna be the most versatile, but that doesn't mean, you know, if I live somewhere else, maybe something different would work. You know, just it's just trying to get uh, the most advice we can and info out there for you guys to make a decision. Yeah, yep, definitely. I think uh, I think we should do a mega tarp giveaway too. What do you think? I don't care. Yeah, we'll do one of the, we'll uh, we'll announce something on the on Instagram about how you can win a win a mega tarp. Um, and I guess we'll leave it at that. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see. Play you. your song. Play your Copenhagen song. I can for it's the outro. My... Okay, hold on. Let me pull this on Spotify. <laughs> You know what? Um, total squirrel here. I would strongly suggest it's a little bit uh, crude, but I think everyone should go and listen to Bill Burr, the comedian. <laughs> um, some of the stuff he says uh, is super funny um, and relatable, and very relatable. So.
That's the late Chris Ledoux, everyone. Great country music singer, super cool guy. Uh, his song, Copenhagen. And I think we'll leave with that.